Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. This show just keeps getting better. Suddenly showing up in my broadcast booth here high above Rogers Place was the one and only Louis DeBrusque. Knock, knock. There we go. Guests and Oilers now receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Roos Chris, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. Go down and see Rebecca and the staff at Roos Chris. Tell them Oilers now sent you. And by the way, Louis, I just want to say this. You are the polar bear, and so you're in the right <laughs> weather. Uh, yeah. We were doing our spirit animals today. Uh, I would definitely be a polar bear. Yeah? Yeah. Polar bear, for sure. What would I be? I'm not sure. Yeah? <laughs> Maybe a silverback? <laughs> you got a back as wide as a silverback gorilla, so that's probably what you would be. You know, I always see a big gorilla sitting there in the big back, you know, there's yeah. big lats, and that's kind of what I think when I see you from behind anyway. <laughs> Take that how you want. I mean, a polar bear gorilla, <laughs> pick your point. I, I got to tell you, you Louie, they're both, hey, they're both big, strong animals. That's a good thing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Not too many other animals mess with polar bears and with gorillas, so I guess that's a good thing. Now, what's the uh, what's the toughest animal? We were having this conversation <laughs> earlier on. Is it the honey badger? <laughs> I just love the honey badger because they just they they don't know any quit. You know, you, you watch they it, fight above their weight class. At least once a month, I'm on YouTube and I'll find a, a video of a honey badger <laughs> going in and taking like a lion kill or something. I just I just find them uh, pretty impressive in that regard. Badgers are the same way here. We have in North America here in Alberta. Um, they just they don't know any quit. They're just, they're going to get in there like a wolverine and they're going to battle. And you know I just have always liked that spirit. But I would say they're certainly one of the one of the more uh, badass kind of animals out there. My wife has just texted me. Way to go, Louis DeBrus just called you a silverback. So <laughs> silverback. As he looked at you from behind. That's all. <laughs> Not you know that there's I mean? anything wrong well, with you that. Know what? They don't really move quickly. For they just kind of hang around. They just know they're kind of the dominant. I just love that in the zoo. That big silverback just sits there and watches over everything. And and I got what? a little bit of that in me, do I? Well, when it comes to the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club, is that the show called Oilers? <laughs> hey, yeah. look, uh, I'm gonna try. So you watch uh, animal videos and stuff yeah, like I, that. Okay, I'm fascinated by it. I, I watch fight videos. Yep, I do too. <laughs> okay. I, uh, yeah. And we have Al May coming up at 1 o'clock, okay? And I'm going to get both sides of the story here. So you were telling me today, 
Was it one of your first exhibition games? My very first exhibition game for the New York Rangers, we went in and played a neutral site game. I believe it was in Baltimore. And uh, it was a game against the Capitals. And we had a really tough squad dress. We had Ty Domi, Jansen. I think we had Rudy Post check, Denny Villa. I mean, we had just, you know, back then. Uh, Mark Jansen's like, for people. And, like, they, and, know, they know Ty. I know and they big know Kenny Sabern, who does the, the, the broadcast here for Washington, who was in that game as yeah. well. But my very first shift, I squared off with Alan May. And I knew May was tough, right? And obviously, he had played for Edmonton. And I, he'd been yeah. in the training camps. And I saw the boys in the bus video. You know, yeah, him yeah. and McClellan get into it and pregame skate in training camp. Um, so I knew he was wild. And he was fighting a ton then. But, you know, we came together. We It was kind of that unwritten and unspoken message. You just know when the other guy is a tough guy. So I kept stepped in there. We dropped the gloves, and we had a long square off. And I just remember looking into his eyes going, this guy looks crazy. You know, I think he's, you know, here I am. I think I was like 18 or 19 years old. And I'm like, you know what? This guy looks like he's psycho. But he just had that stare, right? He had that real mean stare. And listen, when he went out there, he played as hard as anybody. He wasn't the biggest guy, but he scrapped yeah. the biggest guys in the league for years. And uh, we never ended up fighting. We know what the referees eventually broke it up. It yeah. was a, and I ended up scoring a goal that game. So it was even actually, actually better that I, uh, I didn't fight him because I went out there the next shift and tucked one. But um, that set the tone for the game. I think Ty Domi got into it that night and there were, there was some, there were some good scraps in the game, but yeah, I just remember the, the stare down, you know, yeah. looking into the guy going, man, what did I get myself into in my first shift? For the listeners that maybe don't remember Mark Jansen's, he was a sneaky lefty. Yeah, sleeper. He was one of those guys, too. And, you know, along with Alan May, yeah. was a real good cross-grabber. You know, that's what yeah. we called it, you know, when you would take your right hand, reach over, take the Jason, right hand. Of the, Jason uh, yeah, Strudwick. Jason Strudwick was really good, too. He did it to me in the fight we had. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you reach over, you take the right with the right, and you throw a left over top because you're, you're banking on the fact that the other guy doesn't have a great left hand. I'll go right. left to left with a guy that is right-handed almost anybody. I would. Yeah. I felt my own because I, I cross-grabbed the odd time too, and I would just be, you know, I was comfortable with my left hand against the left hand. Um, but uh, Alan May made a real specialty out of it. He really kind of, at a time when he was fighting a lot bigger guys, kind of like Tim Hunter would do. He would wear guys down a bit, and you maybe can ask him about it, but I watched a lot of his videos, and he would wear guys down that late in the fight he would get that cross-grab, and he would always have a little bit more energy, always in wicked shape. He was always in very good condition. Yep. You look at him now, he looks like he could still play. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so he's, you know, he took that to a whole new level and used it to his advantage, not, not being the bigger guy in the fight in most cases. Louis DeBras joining us from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Louis, it looks like Yesapol Yarby is yep. out of the lineup. Uh, you know, you've you've got your own son that mm-hmm. you know had to spend the first year down. And we we're gonna this is a two parter. Let's get to Paul Yarby first, but you kind of know what it's like watching over your own kid here as he tried to evolve with Boston. Yes, is a, a, a you know Jake's a top six forward. Yes, in theory was drafted to be a top six forward. Yeah, Jake was a 2015, you know, went 14th, and you got uh, Yessa who went fourth. Yep. The, the Oilers had him ranked third that year, if I recall correctly. It, it just so we're full disclosure here. Edmonton had Matthews one, line A two, Poliarvi three, and Sergachev four. They did not have Kachuk in the top four, and I think we can, you know, that's a whole other conversation. All good players. All good players. Yes, a Poliarvi. Uh, looks like he's out. Give me your take on the on the situation. This is just a young guy still trying to find his way, and that's the way I look at it. And if I was speaking to my own son, I'd say the same thing. I'd say control the things you can control. And don't worry about the things you can't. And right now, I think maybe a, there's some expectation there from from Yessi's perspective where he's thinking maybe he has to do more. And in reality, I think he has to do less in the sense of basic down the game. Um, I would tell him to be the hardest working guy on the line each and every night. 
you know, go out there and make it known that you are the guy that's working the hardest on the ice. And I've always said this when you watch a hockey game, and anytime I go into a training camp, anytime I watch a junior game, a midget, peewee, NHL, doesn't matter what game I'm watching. Everybody works hard in the National Hockey League. I get it. Everybody works hard in junior. I get it. But there's always guys that work a little bit extra hard. And if you watch the game for 10 minutes, you'll know who those players are immediately. They stand out like a sore thumb. So to get recognized, if you want to get in the coach's good books, work a little harder. Make sure that every single shift you're giving it your all. And let nature take its course. If you start overthinking things, things don't go your way. And I think that's happening right now a little bit. Because we saw him in training camp where... I thought he took a step, you know, in training yeah. camp. He, he made some moves and drove around some players, and I'm like, that's a speed that he didn't have last year. Right. That's a jump and in he his is stride. Down. He he's is down, down. away. He's looking lean. So he's doing the right things. He said he was very strict with his diet this year. I talked to him about it. He dropped weight. Um, he's very lean to begin with. That's going to give him some more endurance. He looks faster on the ice. So now tap into that speed a little more often. Don't stand around as much. Get your feet moving. Yeah. Be the first on the forecheck. Get a little more physical with that giant frame that he has. All things that I'm sure he's heard a ton of times, but listen, when you're down there in the heat of the battle and things are happening fast, sometimes you get away from those basic things that make you successful in a game. And that's just, that's, it, there's nothing wrong with sitting up in the press box for a game and watching. I'm telling you that right now. It used to be a punishment. Now it's like, listen, watch the game, learn from it. Look where you can maybe take advantage of certain situations and then go out there and put it on the ice. He's a young talent. They want no question to get better, but some of it's got to lie certainly on his shoulders. A lot of it. He's got to, he's got to go out there and make sure that he's doing the things that he can do um, to allow them to put him in better situations. We're joined by Louis DeBras, Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers now. Uh, I have brought up Blake Wheeler, who at the same yeah. age was playing at Minnesota with the Golden Gophers. And, and I didn't think was going to be the pro that he is today. He was a Phoenix prospect right. at that time before he, he, he right. uh, went to Boston. But you know what? Um, I thought for a big guy, the same thing. I didn't think he moved his feet enough. And I've seen him drive wide now. He's one of the best in the league. Yeah. And when he wants to put his head down and go around somebody, he's hard to stop. Then so. we got to factor in cultural issues. I, I don't think he understands. I don't think Jessa Pugliarvi understands the nuances of the North American game yet. He, for me, and you, you've been there, in there with us. I mean, we had, we've had so many conversations. You know, we have a unique opportunity. One of the best parts of our job is to, to get the access to the coaches. And, and I thought there was a 30-game window last year where Pugliarvi was pretty good and was coming. Yep. But not down the stretch and not to start the year. So this was consistency. St- this was somewhat understandable. Uh, the, and the other thing that we cons- saw this coming. The other, yeah. And the other thing that concerns me a bit with him is it's not just that he's not in the right spots. It's that when he does play with the big boys, he's actually in completely the like Ty Ratty talked about the fact you don't have to support Connor McDavid the way you support other players. Just get open because he can beat two guys. Yeah. But like on the power play, when Paul Yarby got the occasional look in the first unit, there were twice last year there were games where McDavid skated right into Paul Yarby because Paul Yarby's ability to read and react, and I just and, and I'm just like patience, 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 and that's hard for fan, fans to listen to. And coaches are paid to win games too. That's it's, it's a fine line. It yeah, really is, yeah. and I, I think people maybe sometimes misinterpret how fine of a line it is where a player looks like he can't do much on the ice to where he starts to really be effective and dominant. And it's a lot of it has to do with confidence. But for me, and we throw that word around. I know that that, that word is used all the time, but it's in, it's so important. You have to believe in your game, and you have to f- play free. You hear Todd McClellan talk about it all the time. Play free. 
I'm the same way. I, I like it when players play free. I'd rather see you make a mistake out of energy, um, being confident, trying to do things on the ice, than being tentative and making mistakes on the ice. Yeah. Here's the thing. When you're a dominant player like Paul Yarvey was in his younger years, big physical specimen, bigger than most of the guys he was playing against. He could manhandle, yeah. drive through. You know, He was like a bulldozer going through the middle. I saw so many highlight reel videos of him just kind of dangling through people, even if he blow on the puck, he just blow through guys yep. and then get that wrist shot away and score a goal. Different animal here in the National Hockey League, yep. and he's still finding that out. But he has it in his ability to do it because we saw that speed. It's a matter of doing it consistently. Here's the other thing. When you have that mindset as a top-rated guy, it's sometimes hard to go back to the let's put the work boots on and grind this out type of a, an attitude. Whereas a guy like Chandler Stevenson, who I talked to in the dressing room with the Washington Capitals, I watched him play in junior, he's a guy that just continually worked himself up into the National yep. Hockey League and is now a regular no guy. He's playing, the, he's playing on the second line now with Nicholas Baxter. But there's a guy that, you know, literally his work ethic, yes, he has skill and his desire to get there have kind of pushed him into a position where he's an effective pro now. And yes, he has to figure that out. He has to figure out, listen, I, and I say it again, and it's, it's you know, be the hardest working guy on the line. You can never take that away from a guy, you know, and, I, and, I, and like I told you, I tell my own kid that. If you want to be successful, be the hardest working guy on the line. If you're going to play with better players, you wanna be a make bot- sure you're playing harder than those guys are playing. And everybody will want to play with Let's you. Let's take it one step further, Louie. If you want to be a broadcaster and you lack the speed, talent, agility, coordination, toughness, character, and discipline, don't be a par- don't be afraid to outwork other guys and grind. Yeah, and hustle. And it be- goes a long way because there is a skill set there. I believe there's a skill set there. So do I. So, so, so do I. So how do you tap into that? If you if you th- overthink it, we've seen what can happen here. But wh- when he's having his best games, and listen, I'll even push it to another guy. Let's let's deflect here to Leon Dreisaitl's game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Best game by far this year that 100%. he's played. And why was it his best game? It was his best game because he was moving his feet. He was skating. He was driving. Every single time he got the puck, he got the puck in motion. He wasn't standing looking to try and make a play and overthink the situation. He got going. He's a big body. He used that size effectively. And, you know, when he scored, it kind of gave him a little confidence boost, and he, and he carried that forward. So that's really good to see a player of his caliber. And that's something that, yes, he can take take a little piece of, too. Say, listen, you know, get your feet moving. Make yourself that player you want to be, and uh, things will work out. All right, I'm going to give you a worst-case and best-case scenario after I read this uh, text that's come in from Val from the high desert of northeast Colorado via our globalnews.ca account. My two cents, Bob, the elite teams believe in development by leaps and bounds, not baby steps. So that is an interesting perspective. Uh, so... Best, worst case scenario. So, so she's saying that, let's get this. Or, or he. We don't know if yeah. it's a guy right. or a girl. Sorry, Val is saying that the, elite the good teams, teams they, they expect they, they, leaps and bounds? In, yes, they, be, they believe guys can improve by leaps and bounds and I, I'm and not baby steps. Well, I, I disagree with that. Okay. Well, I disagree wholeheartedly yeah. with that. I think the best teams are the best at maturing young players because they don't give them everything. They yeah. make them work for it. So when they are finally the Detroit ready, model when they over, are finally ready to take over the reins, until they're now, extremely effective at doing now. it. Um, there's a kid on this team in Washington, Verana, right now that's being suppressed down the lineup because he's How about Burakovsky? There you go. There's a guy in the fourth line that everyone thought was going to be projected top six, maybe even top three forward in this league. When you've got great players above you, you learn from them. Would you trade Burakovsky? Would you trade Paul Yarvey for Burakovsky? <laughs> Would you go. trade Paul Yarvey for Anthony Mantha? I don't know if you... I mean, yes, he's still... I'll tell you what, Anthony Mantha would be a hard guy for me to pass on. Yeah. Because of his uh, elite finishing ability. 24 goals last year. he's a huge 
beast minus to be in front. 12 yeah. and got one goal this year. I would make year. that trade, yes. Nine games. Nothing against Jesse, but I just games, think that he's a better finisher. One one goal, minus 12 in Detroit, and he and Blaschel have butted heads before. Louie, worst case scenario. At this stage of the game. I'm going to give you a guy drafted fourth and a guy drafted fifth for worst case and best case. So I already gave you the best case, and that's Wheeler. And you saw Wheeler because you were in the Phoenix mm-hmm. organization. That's the best case scenario for Paul Yarby, a guy like that. A dominant right wing that could make plays that continues to evolve. The worst case scenario, you played with him. Fourth overall pick. We talked about him earlier today. Oh. Jason Bond Sr. Yeah. You know what? And and well, here's the thing. What was the knock on Jason Bond Sr.? I love the guy. He's a great guy. But here's the knock that was on Jason when he came into the league. And it was an interesting story because you had him at fourth and Ryan Smith was seventh that year, right? Or sixth? Sixth. Sixth. Yep. So they came into training camp, and we've talked about this many times. You'd have to literally hook up Ryan Smith to the Clydesdales to get him off the, off the ice. Yeah. And Jason Bond Sr. would be the first guy off the ice. But Pugliari you know? puts the work... He, he does extra work on the ice. Now, there's a question, you know, do you, sometimes less than more. Uh, and by no, by no means am I saying, yes, right. he is Jason. I'm right. just saying, like, yeah. there was a difference there. So, you you know, both these guys came in as young talents. But, again, one of them, you know, really did grind himself into an amazing career, Ryan Smith. He was a, he was a great talent. He was a good skill. But, you know what, let's not, you know, he w- let's call, listen, he was – he was a grinder, you know, that was had a great nose for the net and was a big-time player. He just wanted to go out there and play. He loved the game. Right. He absolutely loved the game. And he still does. Bonsignor, when he was drafted, there were people that thought he was a poor man's version of Mario Lemieux. Absolutely. Well, one was 64, one was 94, and it was like, you know, I think I think Ryan Smith might be the only player in the history, aside from Wayne, that could use Wayne's pattern as a stick because um, he did he essentially had a Wayne Gretzky pattern and you know what the other guy 64 Bond Senior was a little bit like Lemieux he was a big lanky guy he did have tremendous skill had an amazing uh, toe drag and shot but um, listen I played with him again in Tampa Bay he came back and he started to work a little harder he did carve out a decent career for himself he did start to play some games it was all based off a of work ethic with him because he had tons of skill um and again i know it's i know everyone says ah that's a cliche go back to work no i'm telling you right now this league right now is the fastest it's ever been but it's also the hardest working the backtracking nowadays yeah. is nothing like it used to be back in the day it is incredible that's you have you no guys time and space chirping, on this ice. Uh, chirping at each other behind Are the blue you're sniffing up at the red line for maybe a breakaway <laughs> used to say pavel bray skates were you know dyed red you know because he was skating up and down the red line looking for that breakaway pass. It was a different game. You Imagine know, it really what he would have done game. with the, the no he would have been a nightmare. He would have no been, center ice. <laughs> they would have been blue. <laughs> yeah, instead of red, they would have been right. blue. I open up the Pandora's box. Do we look at NCAA players? Do do managers and coaches look at NCAA players because they're usually a little bit older, so they're more mature, they're educated? Frankly, I think they're probably easier to coach a little bit. Then when you get 18 and 19-year-olds coming out of major junior. There's a couple of things there, too. And I talked to Matt Benning about it as well. Um, The fact that they play less games. So their energy levels typically are higher in those games. So when you watch them, you're seeing a different type of game. It's, you know, he told me in in, college, you know, the the back-to-back games they play in the weekend, it was all or nothing. They went as hard as they could absolutely go. When you're watching a junior kid that played on a Wednesday night and then played Friday, Saturday, he's got a Sunday afternoon game, and you're seeing him in that fourth and five days, you're not getting the same caliber of game. You're just not. 
You know, it's it, it, you're, you, I'm sorry, but they learn how to coast. And we, we hear coaches talk about it all the time. The good players learn how to only That's play the concern with as Bouchard hard as they if have he to goes be. back down there. Right, right? exactly. I'm, I'm concerned about that too, by the way, because it's just a different thing. Yes, he'll touch the puck a lot. Yes, he'll be dominant. He'll be quarterback in the power play. Probably start, already played three years you know, But here's the thing. Um, you get pushed to a level here that you'll never get pushed to there. And I really wish he could go to the American Hockey League. I think he can as a conditioning stint here and there. But you know what? Um it's just it's one of those rules that I think should kind of be altered a bit for maybe one or two players in each organization if you have a player that's capable of playing the American Hockey League. Because not all of them are. Let's face it, some of them need to go back to junior. But, you know, getting back to the, the, the college evaluation, I think that sometimes you get enamored with that, the high t- intensity, the speed, and the pace that those games are played at. Then they come into pro, and they don't always pan out. But we are seeing a lot of college kids panning out now. I mean, this is these, these are good do, young athletes do, that okay, are really honing their skill I mean, because they have more practice time. They're in the gym more. When they come out of universities and colleges, they're they're ready to go. They're men. They're young right, men. Louis, so just to wrap up, uh, I mean, the Oilers have uh, Peter Shirelli was from Harvard, MACD, UMass, two college guys in two pretty critical uh, levels of the organization. Oilers took a couple flyers. Uh, they took a flyer on Colin Larkin out of Division Three NCAA at 24, albeit it's a one-year contract. They took a they took a flyer on the VZ kid who's got a little bit of bite. Uh, not uh, you know Nolan VZ, and then Cooper Marodi, You know, and Marodi comes in and he looks like a smart player, but he's not really an elite smart player. But so my thing is, what happens is these guys are. E- I think they're easier. Some and they're older. They're more mature. Um, they're they're probably the difference between Marodi at twenty one twenty two versus Pulleyarvi at twenty. It's less work for the coach to coach. Sure, absolutely, and I think you know there's also an argument. You look at some of these European players that play four or five years of pro men's hockey yeah. over in their respective country and come over here and they're that that much more ready to step into the NHL game because they're more mature and they've been playing with men since they were sixteen, seventeen years old. Sometimes fifteen, they step into those games and play. But, you know, you look at the Oilers, their top six scores are all from the CHL this year, right now. So, I mean, it, it does kind of even itself out. I, I think that the best players are the best players. I don't really care where you come from or, where, or how you get here. Um, but there's no question that I think that um, there's an opportunity there for some late bloomers especially, guys that maybe weren't really on the radar four years ago that go play four solid years of college hockey, and now they're men. And you look at them and go, okay, why not give them a chance? I think I think that's a great so opportunity not- to try and pick some guys out that uh, we've seen some players. Like you said, you've named a few here already that are signed as free agents, walk in and and uh, and have a good good career. I'll leave you with this. There's a late bloomer major junior right now, 19, and he was going pretty good last year at the end of the year. And You know, somebody maybe tipped off somebody on that front and said, you might want to look at this guy here. Craig Button now has that individual who's been, gone through two drafts. His name is Brett Leeson. Craig Button's got him at 46. He's leading junior hockey in scoring yeah. across Canada with 32 points. He's plus 25. Yeah. He's six foot four. He's a right shot. He's not an elite skater, but he can think. And he's got pretty good offensive ability. And there's a guy at 19. And I'm telling you, if he was an NCAA free agent at 21, there would be every team. Now, he's got to be drafted, right? He's got to be drafted. But if that was an NCAA free agent that developed late at 21, there would be every team in the National Hockey League. And therein lies, to me, part of the difference. Sure. No, I agree. I think there's a little bit of a... Yeah, you're right. There is a little bias there for sure. Um, And I see that too. But here's the other thing too. You, You brought up a really good point. What's the number one thing you're looking for? Guys that can play. 
guys that can skate. And yeah, got to be able to skate. You got to be able to move at this level here. If you can think the game great, and that's, I'd say, a priority number two right. nowadays, you have to be able to move. Yeah. Can you work on the skating is the question. You take a kid that can think the game and try and improve the speed. That's the real question that I think guys are now starting to go through. If you've got the processor, let's get the feet going. Next thing you know, you've got a good NHL player. Louie, great stuff. We went right up to the break here. Thanks for coming up. Keep your headset on for 15 seconds. This is what we're going to do here in Oilers now. Uh, we're going to marry a couple of breaks. Uh, when we come back at 105, Al May will join us after we tell you about our Oilers Now road trips with New West Travel. We're going to Vegas and Nashville. We've had some great guests at these events. Uh, they've got your flights, uh, all your transportation. we got a couple of events built around it, parking at uh, the uh, Value Park at the Edmonton International Airport. It's the kicker, the Oilers Now roadies. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Back with Alan May. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer Weekdays at noon. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.